Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to uh, First City Church. Thank you for being here, and welcome to Holy Week. This is the uh, uh, the Jewish calendar. It's the first month in the Jewish calendar. We'll talk a little bit more about that. And so today is Palm Sunday. Some of you may be thinking, what is Palm Sunday? I, I, I want to understand a little bit more about why we call it Palm Sunday. Why is this Holy Week? What is Holy Week? What is Good Friday, and why do we call it good? And then uh, what is it about Easter? And, and I'm excited really about this week and what, uh, you know, God has in store for us because this is the week, you know, 2,000 years ago that brought life transformation to all those people who were around Jesus, all of his apostles, all of his disciples, and eventually the whole world and started this movement we are a part of called Christianity. And so it was, even though there was life transformation in all of it, this was one of the most confusing times for all of the apostles. They had been following Jesus for three years now. And they had seen him do a lot of miracles. They had seen him do unbelievable things in their community with unbelievable teachings. And they had come to believe that he was the son of God. But during this week, he acted in ways they had never seen him act before. He did things they had never seen him do before. And it brought lots of confusion so that by the end of the week, they're all scattering and running and betraying and denying. And there was a lot of confusion. But in the middle of it, God was doing something amazing for you. And so if in your life, you find things, you find yourself in a situation where, man, life is confusing. And I don't even know exactly what all is going on right now. And I don't know how I'm going to get out of it. I don't know what the future holds. And God is acting in ways I did not think he would act. Or maybe it seems distant or he's not listening at all. Or things seem confusing. I want to tell you, you're in the right place. <laughs> and this is the week where we begin to talk about those things. And so I really have three goals for you during this holy week. And the first one we're going to start with is this. I would like to invite you to join us into everything that we're going to be doing all during this week. All Holy Week, I want to just invite you to come and join and participate. And this very first goal that I have for you is very simple. I want you to read the back half of the Gospel of John this week. In fact, read it several times, starting today. Now, today we're going to start. I'm going to, I'm going to kick you off. We're going to be in John chapter 12, so open up your Bibles or your phones, turn your ringer off to John chapter 12. That's where we're going to start. I'm going to kick it off, but I really believe that if you'll just sit down, and it will only take you 30 minutes and a cup of coffee to read the back half of the book of John and read it several times just so you can become familiar with the events that happened this week in the life of Jesus and the apostles. And so that's the first one. The second one is, I really want to invite you to come and join us on Good Friday. And it's going to be a worship service. It's going to be an hour. It's going to be more than that. We're going to meet earlier over on this side of our church building in this little parking lot. And we're going to have food for everyone. And children can play in the, you know, on the playground. We're going to have stuff for children in the back. We're going to celebrate, you know, Good Friday. We're going to celebrate everything that happened. And, and, and by the way, there's some people are like, why are we celebrating on Good Friday? It was Jesus' death. But if that's the only picture you have of it, then welcome to Good Friday and welcome to Holy Week because on Friday you were set free from your sin. 
On Friday, the veil of the temple was torn in two, and there was no longer anything keeping you from having an intimate, personal relationship with God. There's lots to celebrate on Good Friday. But I want to invite you to come on Good Friday. In fact, we, we completely believe that by you attending Good Friday service, you'll be more prepared to celebrate Easter Sunday. And so I want you to join us. And then on Saturday, as you heard, we're going to be feeding the foster families in the four-county area that we call the Gulf Coast. And we want to invite you to participate in that. Now, delivery for all of these homes and all of these families are going to be a little different this time than most. But, you know, we did this last year. And you gave a lot of donations, and we've been actually feeding foster families ever since Easter all through the year on some of that money and other donations that we have received. And maybe the best way that you can help is by making a donation. Because we're going to be feeding these families. We've been doing it every month, and it's been a real blessing to them. So I want to invite you, you know, to write a donation, a check or whatever, turn it and, and write on it, feed foster Feed Foster, Feed Foster in the memo section. And 100% of that money goes to feeding foster families, okay? So we want you to join us for that and participate. You can call Jesse and find out what you can do to serve. But also, well, we really need some donations that can help, and we'll be using that money all year long as we feed these families. And then the final one that I want you to participate in, of course, is Easter, where we celebrate our victory over death. It is what allows us to live eternally with our Heavenly Father. Amen? So that's our Holy Week. That's Good Friday. And I'm so excited to share that with you. Now, let's start at the book of John. John was an eyewitness. He was a, a, an apostle. He was so close to Jesus. In fact, he, uh, he was the one that Jesus said, you know, he's the one Jesus loved. They had a personal, intimate relationship. And John sat down and said, I have taken the time. For those of you who are going to come after me and were not able to be here when Jesus was on earth, I want to give you an accurate, detailed account of exactly what he did, exactly who he was, so that you will trust him with your life. In fact, he said these. And this in John chapter 20. These things are written, everything that I've put in what we now call the gospel of John. They're written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. All I want you to do, John says, is come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, that he died for you and that he will set you free. And he also said, there are a lot of things that I could have written. I mean, he, he said, in fact, if the whole world, you know, tried to write books about everything that Jesus did, it couldn't contain it all. But I have specifically chosen these events in his life so that you would come to believe in him. And so John chapter 12 says, okay, so now six days before the Passover, Jesus arrives in Bethany. He's on his way to Jerusalem. And he's going to celebrate the Passover, you know, with his apostles and with his disciples and just like all good Jews did. But six days before, he goes to Bethany and whose house does he go to? Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Do you remember who Lazarus was? What happened to Lazarus? He died and Jesus raised him from the dead. Unbelievable. Now, you have that recorded in John chapter 11. So in John chapter 11, Jesus gets news that his good friend, Lazarus, is dying and really without hope and going down fast. 
And Jesus gets the news, delays. Then by the time he gets there, Mary and Martha meet him outside this little village. And before he gets there, they're falling at his feet and they're crying. And Jesus, Lord, if you would have just been here, he wouldn't have died. And they're so sad. And Jesus begins to just weep with them because of his you know, relationship with Lazarus. And then Jesus gets up and he walks right in front of the tomb where Lazarus was. And he begins to speak out loud and he says with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And the dead man started walking. And Lazarus came out of that grave. And Martha and Mary and the apostles were astonished. They could not believe that even Jesus had power over death. They knew he was amazing. But they saw something that they could not believe. And then Jesus left and he healed some people and he did some things. And then in John chapter 12, we have their response to this extravagant gift that Jesus gave Lazarus and this whole family. And so they invite him into their home. And they're going to have a big celebration. And they've invited a lot of people over. And Martha's giving her gifts to Jesus. She's preparing the whole meal. And she's cooking this big feast, this big banquet in honor of Jesus because of what he did for her brother. The Bible says that Lazarus just sat down and ate. And he was grateful to do it. He was like, I mean, you've gone through enough, Lazarus. You don't need to do anything. You just sit down and eat with everybody. You just enjoy some fried chicken. Right? And so Lazarus just sat down and ate. And then Mary does the unbelievable. She begins to do something so extravagant that it caught everybody's attention. She was so grateful for what Jesus did for her brother that she went in and she got this very expensive bottle of perfume. And she comes out and she kneels down at his feet and she begins to anoint his body and his feet with this oil. And she's weeping and crying and the room is hushed. And what she poured out on his feet was so expensive, it was so extravagant, nobody could believe what she's doing. But it makes perfect sense to us. Because Jesus raised her brother from the dead. He brought him back to life. What he did was so extravagant. Then we're like, well, of course she did. I mean, of course she was extravagant to him, right? I mean, who wouldn't do something like that, right? I mean, isn't that what you would do? Is it? Are you, are you sure that's what you would do? Are you sure that's what you do now? Judas has a very different response. Now, you need to understand this about the Gospel of John. When he wrote his book, he has a pattern. And if you were to follow the pattern of John all the way through his book, he tells you right up front, I'm going to write some stuff so that you'll come to believe. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to follow this pattern. I'm going to give you an event that happened. I'm going to tell you there were some people who started to believe 
And there were some people who started to reject. And I'm going to follow that pattern the whole way through. And we've been doing that in my Wednesday night Bible class, just going through the book of John. And you can follow and you can trace it and you can see. And what he does is he puts you in the position of which side are you on? Which camp are you in? This happened. Is it drawing you closer to Jesus or is it repelling you? Is it sending you further away? And this is an event. He gives us the event. And now he's given us the responses. And Martha's preparing a meal. Lazarus is grateful just to be there. And Mary does something so extravagant. And then we have Judas. This first thing that I want us to remember today is who we are. And so Mary knows who she is. Martha knows who she is. Jesus knows who he is. Judas knows who he is. But who are you in this story? That perfume was worth a year's wages, Judas said. Judas watches the whole thing. And Mary's weeping. Jesus is weeping. And Judas says, that was worth a year's wages. What a waste. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Not that he cared. He was a thief. Since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. Jesus replied, leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. See, for Judas, he really didn't have the heart for what Jesus was really doing. He was there. He saw it all. He watched it all. He saw Jesus do amazing things. But it never penetrated his heart. And so, even though he watched Jesus do extravagant things for people, it didn't change him from the inside out. So anytime he saw somebody do something extravagant back, it didn't make sense to him. He was very transactional. Why did you do that? I mean, that doesn't make any sense. Now you're not going to have anything to give tomorrow. What are you going to do then when you really need that? You know, what's next? What's going to happen? I don't don't get that. We could have done something very different. So John's now putting you in the position, which are you? I just got to tell you, there are times in my life when I feel like I respond to Jesus with a grateful heart in an extravagant way. And I just, the more I think about what Jesus has done for me, the more it makes me just want to pour out my heart to him. So that I just get to where all I can say is thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what anybody's opinion is. I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm going to raise my hands. I want to shout out loud. I want to do whatever it is to let God know I'm so grateful. And Mary models for us what it looks like when a grateful heart understands what Jesus has done for them. And Judas, on the other hand, says, yeah, but what are you going to do next? Okay, I mean, that was good and all, but now what? I mean, that doesn't help me with paying my bills this month. I mean, that doesn't help me with my career. I mean, there's got to be more, right? And which are you? What is your response to the overwhelming gift that God has given you? 
And so right at the very beginning of Holy Week, right at the very beginning of what we're going to be experiencing this week and celebrating on Easter, John puts you into position that asks you, do you even care what Jesus has done for you? Is it just another day? Is it just another, well, okay, whatever, I'm, I'm grateful, yeah, but I got to go to work tomorrow. I got to make some money. I got to pay some bills. I got to have a career. I'm need a, I need a girlfriend. I need a whatever. What is your reaction to the amazing, extravagant love that God has poured out for you? And this is the week you get to decide because this is where it all began. And so now we're in this position to, okay, how am I going to respond this week? This is why I want to invite you to Good Friday. This is why I want to invite you to read the Gospel of John. This is why I want to invite you to be here and we need it. You need it. On Easter Sunday. And you get to decide what your heart is like. Am I more like Mary or am I more like Judas? It's kind of like that story of that family that went to Yosemite Park and they get out of the car and the mom and dad are so excited about what their children are going to see with these natural wonders and God, what he has done in this amazing, you know, creation. And their oldest son gets out of the car and he looks down on the ground and he finds three quarters. And the rest of the time he's at Yosemite, all he's doing is looking down in the dirt trying to find more change. By the time it's over, he found a few more, he found a little bit more change and he completely missed the wonder of the world. Is that us? Is that me? Is that you? God has done something so extravagant, so amazing in your life and set you free from your sin and so amazing in this world and yet we're traveling through life just looking down the dirt looking for loose change. I'm just asking you, at the beginning of this holy week, do you even know what it means and what is your response to the amazing work of Jesus in your life? That's our beginning point. That's where we begin. Number two, I want you to remember who Jesus is. Do you know what today is in history? Yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. Yes, no, yes, no. Yeah, Palm Sunday. Do you know why we call it Palm Sunday? Do you know what began? I am so glad you're here. It began 3,500 years ago. God's people were in Egypt enslaved, working hard, and they were being mistreated, and it was horrible, and they were now pulling double shifts, and the Egyptians were taking away their children, and it was awful, and they began to cry out. They needed a savior. They needed somebody to come in, and they began to cry out, Hosanna! They just cried out to God, Hosanna. In fact, just say this with me, all right? Hosanna. Save us. Rescue us. Thank you. Now, this is what I want. You just say Hosanna. Just ho three times. Just Hosanna. I'll do the rest. So, and they cried out, Save us. Rescue us. Deliver us. And God sent a deliverer named Moses. <laughs> Read your Old Testament, people. He sent Moses. 
<laughs> Jesus, it's written right there. He sent Moses. And Moses goes to Pharaoh and he says, let my. Oh, that, see, that's a. Yeah. Let my people go. And Pharaoh said, no. And now starts a showdown between the God of the Israelites and the God of the Egyptians. And it shows itself in 10 plagues. Each plague, each plague designed to take down another God that they believed in. All 10 until the very end, it gets down to the death of the firstborn son. And God brings in Moses and he says, you need to deliver a message. And it needs to be for all of the people. And they need to know exactly what's going on. And this is what I need you to do. I'm going to send the death angel. And the death angel is going to, t- is going to kill, take the life of the oldest son in every family unless you do what I say. Now, let's just see how that would impact us today. If you were the oldest son in your family, raise your hand. All right, look around. Look around. That's the impact that it would have just in our church today, about 40 of us, right? And so, this is what I need you to do. Exodus chapter 12, verses 3 and 6. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, what day? The 10th day. On the 10th day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. And then take care of them until the 14th day of the first month when all of the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Two different things. On the 10th day, it's lamb selection day. I need you to go and choose a lamb, a perfect lamb, no blemishes, no default, a perfect lamb, and, and, and bring it in, and you select that, and you bring it into your home, and you care for that lamb in your home for four days. So on the 10th day, it was lamb selection day. You got it? Don't forget this. On the 10th day, it's lamb selection day. So everybody goes, and they select a lamb, they bring it in their house, and they nickname it. Because the kids start loving this lamb, and they're, oh, look at this. And they're like, hey, Dad, we gave our lamb a nickname. Oh, yeah, what are you calling it? Well, we're calling it Cool Whip. Okay, so you got Cool Whip. So you got Cool Whip in the house. And then on the 14th day, Dad was to take that lamb and do what? And so as he's taking Cool Whip out of the house, the kids start asking, Dad, what are you doing with Cool Whip? And he's like, listen, I'm just going to tell you it's either Cool Whip or you. Because God said, you slaughter that lamb, and you take its blood, and you sprinkle it. You cover the door frame of your house with it. And every place, it's with his, okay, Deborah, let me keep going. I don't want to, I'm just trying to stay focused really on the blood of the lamb. And so you have the blood of the lamb, you sprinkle on your doorpost. And every place, when the death angel comes... Every place where I see the blood on the doorpost, I will pass over your house. Where do you think we got the name Passover? And it worked. Every family who took their lamb and they slaughtered the lamb on the 14th day and they put it on their doorpost. 
the death angel passed over. The Egyptians heard the message. They got the news. They didn't do it. The Israelites got the news. They did it, and it worked. Fast forward 1,500 years. We're still crying, Hosanna. Jesus comes in to the city of Jerusalem. And people are laying palm branches down on the road in front of him. And they're crying out, Hosanna, rescue us from death. Free us from bondage. Release us to the promised land. And Jesus rode into Jerusalem on Sunday. He rode into Jerusalem on Sunday. Listen. Listen, listen. It was Sunday, the 10th day of the first month of the Jewish calendar, which for us today is in April. Today is the 10th day of the first month for God's people. We call it Palm Sunday because it's the time when all of the people were shouting, we need a Savior to rescue us from death, to free us from our bondage, to release us from the promised land. And John records for you on the next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. And they took palm branches and went out to meet him shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Today, 2,000 years ago, God announced to the whole world, I have chosen a lamb, a perfect lamb. And while everybody else was trying to gather their little lamb that was going to be slaughtered on Passover, Jesus brought him in riding on a donkey And Jesus is declaring to the whole world, this is the lamb that will take away the sins of the world. Jesus saw, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And by the end of the week, opposition grew and the crowds turned. And on Thursday, on Lamb Slaughter Day, they took Jesus away and led him as a lamb before the slaughter, yet he opened not his mouth. And that's this week. This week, it started 3,500 years ago. It was fulfilled by Jesus 2,000 years ago. John wants to know, has it made its way into your heart? Has it done anything to change you? And are you going to be more like Mary? You can't keep me away from this place as we celebrate what Jesus has done. Or is it just another transaction to you? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so what I want to know in conclusion is do you remember that death can bring new life? Death brings new life 
And as you continue, John chapter 12, verses 23 and 24, Jesus replied, And now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. The Son of Man. We've been studying that, right, Aaron? And all the way back in the book of Daniel, what this meant for Jesus to be called the Son of Man. And do you realize the significance of that? Read the book of Daniel. The Bible is full of this stuff. And I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels. In other words, a plentiful harvest of. Is your life one of them? Is your life one of them? Has Jesus' death created new life in you? And when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. And he said this to indicate how he was going to die. That he was going to be lifted up on a cross. He would become the sacrificial lamb. The perfect one. To separate your sin from you. This is why I want you to be here on Friday night. This is what Good Friday is about. And we are, we may weep, and you may celebrate. And some people believe, well, we really don't have anything to celebrate until Sunday. Not true. On Friday, your sins were separated from you. On Friday, the veil of the temple was torn in two, and there's no more barrier between you and God. All that is celebrated on Friday night when Jesus died for you. And then we're going to celebrate the victory over death and for eternal life on Easter Sunday. And out of the life and the death and his burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ, There has been life transformation for you and for me. And so now John leaves you with this one question. Do you believe? Put your trust in the light while there is still time. And Jesus is the light of the world, right? Then you will become children of the light. Jesus shouted to the crowds, if you trust me, you are trusting not only me, but also God who sent me. I have come as a light to shine in this dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. He is inviting you. John wrote his whole, the whole gospel. And he's asking, now whose side are you on? Where do you stand? Has it made a difference in your life? Do you care? Are you going to be more like Mary? And are you going to just throw caution to the wind and you don't care what anybody thinks you don't care what anybody says you're just going to praise him with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind with your whole life or are you going to be like Judas and it's our decision it's just the beginning of this week we call holy week the first month of the Jewish calendar for God's people. It's on the internet. Look it up. There's a lot to talk about. And I only have a certain amount of time. But here's the deal. Today, today, the 10th day of the first month, Lamb Selection Day, God chose to announce to the world that his son was going to be the final lamb that would be slaughtered for all time that takes away the sins of the world. And you should begin to celebrate today what God chose to sacrifice his son instead of you. And it's worth celebrating. Amen? That's Holy Week. That's Palm Sunday. And that's Easter. And I invite you to join us for 
all of it. Please be here Friday night for Good Friday. I just believe that it'll just help us be prepared to celebrate even more on Easter Sunday. God reframed communion around all of these events. When they would celebrate Passover, they used to celebrate what God did for the Israelites, releasing them from from Egyptian slavery. But when Jesus sat with his apostles in that upper room on that lamb slaughter night, Thursday night, he said, from now on, every time you eat and drink of this communion, this little piece of bread and this little cup of juice, I want you to remember me that I'm giving up my life for you and that I'm shedding my blood to wash away your sin. And so as you leave today, I pray you just take the time to stop and take communion and tell him how grateful you are for what he's done, for his sacrifice, that he set you free. He rescued you from death. He freed you from your bondage and he released you to everlasting life. Let's tell him thank you. Lord God.